and welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 2, Episode 2. My friends, the last time we spoke, I was preparing for our trip down to the southernmost region of Italy, the region of Puglia, and that is where I am currently recording this episode. Now, I had intended to record an episode and release it last week, and every time I sat down to record, I ran into the same problem, and that is, I could not, for the life of me, find a place that was quiet enough to record. Every time I sat down, there was either a party next door, or there was a crazy thunderstorm. We have run into so much storm and rain, and unexpectedly, we were expecting it to be so warm and hot down here in southern Italy. I don't know what I was expecting, but I certainly wasn't expecting all of the rain and the storms that we've encountered. But that's okay, because I really love rain and I really love storms. But I wanted to let you know that the reason that I wasn't able to release an episode is because the sound situation was just compromised every single time I tried to record. In fact, I am currently barricaded into a room that I have tried to make as soundproof as possible, and I have waited until one o'clock in the afternoon to record this episode, hoping that that would be the time that the men working on the building next door that have been doing construction work since early this morning, I was hoping that they would be taking their lunch right now at one o'clock. But every time I start recording the saw and the machinery in that building, which is right across the terrace from the villa that we're in, they keep making construction noise, which is totally fine because they have every right to do that. But I'm just doing my best to try to find a quiet moment in the day to record this. And if you hear background noise, it's just an unavoidable part of this experience of recording while traveling and not recording with a soundproof studio. So anyway, I'm just doing my best and I've got so much I want to share with you. So I'm going to jump right into the episode. So as you know, we live currently in the region of Veneto up in the north, which is one of the most northern regions of Italy. Veneto borders the country of Austria. So that makes it one of the most northern regions of all of Italy. And we are currently in one of the most southern regions of Italy. And in fact, we are not only in the most southern region, we are in the most southern part of the southern region. So we are in the region of Puglia, in the area of Salento, which is as far as you can possibly go on the Adriatic coast, literally where the Adriatic Sea meets the rest of the Mediterranean Sea. So we can actually see the very end of the land of Italy. And we actually hadn't planned on coming down this far, but I'm going to share with you how we ended up down here and kind of what we've encountered along the way. So we left the Veneto region and traveled about four hours that first day. So we made it down through Veneto into the next region down, which is the region of Emilia-Romagna. And finally, we made it down into the La Marche region. So we got to our first stop, which was a lovely bed and breakfast, actually an Airbnb. So we had an apartment that we rented in a person's villa. 
And that woman, Francesca, lovely woman, she lives with her mother. She is a lawyer. And so we were able to get to know her a bit and visit with her. We got there around midnight and she was so gracious to wait up for us and let us in. And we were able to get caught up on our sleep and woke up the next morning to discover where we were. Because when you travel at night, and you arrive somewhere around midnight, you have really no idea what it looks like, the area that you've just arrived. All we knew is that we were kind of climbing a pretty steep hill, and we just kept climbing and going higher and higher, and you know we couldn't see anything around us. All we could see was the road. And The one thing that we did see quite a bit of were badgers, and I haven't seen a badger since... I can't tell you when. There were several badgers out crossing the road and and running around because they kind of are more active at night. So we, we saw a few of those, and that's about all we saw other than the road. So we woke up the next morning and found that we were kind of in a hilltop village surrounded by sunflower fields and vineyards and olive groves, and it was absolutely gorgeous. And the topography, the flora and fauna had definitely changed quite a bit in just that four hour drive south. We now were in an area that looked much more like, actually kind of like California, Northern California kind of looks like this. In the summer, California gets very dry and so you have hills that are kind of golden because all of the grass on the hills is is kind of a goldish yellow color and all the trees are green. So you have these these gold hills with the green trees. And so that's a very, very typical of Northern California, which is where I'm from. And so that's where we found ourselves that first night and that first morning. And after kind of exploring that area just briefly, we decided as beautiful as it is, since we really want to be in the South, we'll definitely come back to that area. So we hit the road again and continued driving. And so from the Lamarca region, we continued south through the Abruzzo region, the Molese region, and finally we hit the little kind of eastern, northeastern tip of Campania, and then made it into, finally into the region of Puglia. And that is where we currently are. So we arrived our second night again, after dark, around midnight, kind of near the city of Monopoly, which is an area that we've been wanting to look at property. It's about 30 minutes or so from the capital city of Bari. And so that was kind of our plan. Again, we didn't really know where we were going to end up. All we knew is that the rain that we'd been encountering on the second half of our trip was continuing. And we arrived at our bed and breakfast that second night in a kind of crazy thunderstorm. There was so much rain coming down. Again, we were expecting it to be hot and dry in the south. And here we were just encountering rain. And (laughs) driving at night in the rain with windshield wipers that are squeaking. I would have probably had the windshield wipers replaced when we were getting the car worked on, but we didn't really expect rain and we should have probably checked the weather, but I don't even know if, I don't even know if this was a planned storm. It kind of just seemed like it came out of nowhere. And everybody that we've talked to says this is very unusual for this time of year to have these kind of such heavy rainstorms. 
But again, I don't mind the rain. I kind of love the rain, but driving at night in rain with squeaky windshield wipers, after a while, it kind of wears on you. And so we arrived a little grumpy, a little tired of being stuck in the car. About six hours later, arrived in Puglia near Monopoly, crashed into our Airbnb, had a great night's sleep again, woke up and the storm had cleared and we found ourselves surrounded by beautiful olive groves. I mean, some of the most gorgeous olive trees I've ever laid my eyes on. And so many of them surrounded by these beautiful stone walls. The walls are made out of these, these rocks that are very kind of whitish. And I think they're, they might be limestone rocks, but the soil is a very reddish kind of clay color. So you've got the grayish green of the olive trees, and then you've got the really red kind of burnt umber color of the soil and the kind of whitish stone walls surrounding all of the olive groves. And then you have the buildings and the homes and the structures. And in that particular area, there are these very unique buildings and homes that are found in no other place in the world and no other part of Italy even. And they're called Trulli. And these Trulli, say it with the Italian accent, Trulli, are these sort of cone-shaped buildings and homes and they're literally shaped like a cone and they're stacked dry stone and they kind of come up to a point and usually at the top there's like a little finial or a little round white cap to the top and the the sides of the buildings are white the stones are kind of a grayish color and then the top finial cap is usually white as well And so it just was unlike any other place that I've ever seen before. And Alessandro's never been there either. So we were in an area that was lots of vineyards, so many olive groves, lots of cherry orchards, some almond orchards, and some fig orchards, just so much agriculture. And we were very near a city called Arbobello, And that is a very famous city in the area that's kind of known for being a place where these these buildings, these structures that are called Trulli, where there's a lot of them all very close together in a in a village. And so it's kind of an area that's attracted attention over the last few years. And so we decided, well, we're about 15 minutes away from that city, so we might as well go check that out. So we drove to Abrabello and we arrived there and discovered that it is a has turned into over the last several years into a major tourist attraction and destination and it appeared that while there probably weren't a lot of tourists from other places in Europe there were certainly a lot of tourists there maybe just italian tourists but just a lot of people there were souvenir shops and tchotchke shops and and tons of cars and lots of people and I have shared with you before I am not a fan of really really touristy places so we spent about five minutes in that town and we're like okay we've seen it 
we get an idea for what this is and this is not where we want to be, our technique for traveling on this trip has been what we kind of use when we travel to places that we've never been before. We choose to stay in a place that has a really open availability. In other words, if we really fall in love with the area, we can extend our trip by maybe a week or even two if we want to. But, you know, we also just maybe book one or two nights to begin with. And so the place that we had booked, what we had only booked for one night, and we decided let's check the area out. We've got lots of property nearby that we want to look at, and let's just see if this is an area that we want to be. And after driving around that first day, we came to the conclusion that it was just really not what we were going to probably be in love with, which was kind of surprising. It was good to know, but it was something that we were we were expecting to really kind of enjoy exploring that area. And while we certainly didn't spend enough time exploring the area, what we did see just didn't really resonate with us. And so we had decided that if that area wasn't going to be our favorite spot, then we would continue south. And so we had already kind of scoped out a place in the south, in the farthest south region of Puglia, in the Salento area, near the city of Lecce. And so we contacted the owner of the villa here that we are actually currently in and said, you know, would we be able to come down? Our plans have kind of shifted is your place still available? We'd like to to rent your place, you know, for maybe a week. And we'll definitely book our first few nights, but, you know, let's, let's see about maybe staying there for a week. She said, yes, it's available for a week. If you want it, it's yours. You know, after a few days, if the area doesn't seem like it's right for you, that's fine too. So as we begin to drive even further south towards Salento, something kind of ominous and disturbing became apparent. And all of the gorgeous olive groves that we had seen near Monopoly and Body, those same olive groves, there were still lots of olive groves, but the olive trees in those groves were dead and dying. And it was, it was a kind of a radical shift. It went from gorgeous beautiful, lush trees that were centuries old, some of the trees over a thousand years old, some of the most beautiful olive trees I've ever seen and that have made it through wars and famines and droughts. These trees were dying and dead. Whole groves of thousands of trees were just brown or in the process of turning brown and dying. Some of them had no leaves. Some of them had been cut down. Some of them had half of the tree dead and the other half was alive. And Alessandro at first said, oh, I think those were, that was a fire. But as we continued to look, we could see that all the trees around those olive groves were still green. Everything else was green, but just the olive trees were dead. In the past, I had done some reading about this bacteria that was affecting some of the olive trees in the south, and it was becoming a real problem. And I had re- I had read about that, but I had sort of forgotten about that because we hadn't really been looking at properties in this far south. All the properties we've been looking at were about two hours north of here, up near Body. And so as we continued to drive, 
just mile after mile, thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon millions of trees that we passed were dead and dying. And for those of you who have not heard about this, there is a bacteria called Xylella fastidiosa that has started to infect out of the 60 million olive trees that are growing and that are producing olive in Puglia, which produces the majority of Italy's olive oil, about 15 million of those trees in the Salento region are in the process of dying right now. They have been infected and they're dying. And it's, uh, I don't really know even how to describe my sense. As you know, I'm a major you know, botany and, and plant and farming enthusiast. And so anything related to plants and trees is my passion. And so for me personally, it felt like I was driving through basically an endless graveyard for hours. I was driving through a graveyard of trees and it was, it was just, um, it was unnerving. So of course, as I, when we finally arrived at our really beautiful place here, and by the way, we arrived during yet another major torrential monsoon downpour. And so we arrived in this village right on the ocean, right overlooking the Adriatic in just the most gorgeous little coastal village. And the streets of this village were literally rivers of water because all the roofs here are, you know, terraces with flat top roofs. And so all the water just comes sheeting off of those, those buildings. And it was, it was just rivers, literally rivers of water when we pulled into town right around one o'clock in the afternoon. So we waited for about half an hour and then the clouds parted and, and the sky cleared and, and everything was refreshed and people were kind of mopping the water off of their their decks and their porches and their patios and terraces and and standing in doorways looking out at the rain and it, we met the host here that that took us to the villa that we rented and we I didn't realize what kind of a view we would have but we have a, a rooftop terrace on this villa overlooking the whole bay and right down to to the marina and the port here where their sailboats docked and and it's just a a fantastic place but of course as soon as i got here i had to start researching about what was going on with these olive trees basically what's happening and i'll just kind of sum it up for you but what's happening is this was this bacteria was brought in they believe in about the early 2010s. So I think the first confirmed cases were in 2013. So it's been about 10 years now. And they believe that this bacteria was brought in from South and Central America on coffee plants that were imported here into Europe as house plants. So the Xylella fastidiosa bacteria is being spread by a local insect. And the insect here, which is called the spittle bug, which is a tiny little insect that is an insect that sort of sucks the, the xylem 
or the juices out of the leaves and the stems of plants, usually grass, but also out of the olive trees, what happens is in the same way that mosquitoes can pass diseases onto humans, this spittle bug can pass this bacteria on from olive tree to olive tree. So that is how the disease is being spread. The spittle bug will hop from one tree to the next and spreading the disease. It's literally inching its way north. So it's really basically decimated the trees down here in the Salento part of Puglia. Now, there is no current cure for xylella at the moment, but the European Union and Italy are working very hard and have been trying to figure out a way to cure this this deadly bacteria. And what happens, the, the way that it's killing the trees is the bacteria multiplies and then blocks the vascular system that that brings the nutrients and the and the water up from the roots up into the stems of the tree. It basically clogs those those veins and those pathways carrying the nutrients up into the rest of the tree. So these trees that are hundreds or or over a thousand years old that have survived so many other things, they are dying now because of this bacteria that came in from Central America. It's just it's just kind of heartbreaking. It's super heartbreaking because trees that have survived, you know, that were around before the time of Michelangelo and Dante, these trees have survived all of this time and now they are dying within a, a course of of less than a decade. They're being wiped out. And it's um it's a real problem. It is not only in Italy now, but it has spread to Spain and it has spread to France and Greece. So the European Union is working very hard because the $60 billion a year olive oil industry is being threatened. We already know from one of my previous episodes when I talked about the problems in the olive oil industry of of the olive oil that's being sold around the world not even being pure olive oil now the the source of some of the best olive oil in Italy one of the few places you can still get really really good pure olive oil is is very much under threat and so it's going to do nothing but exacerbate the problem of the olive oil industry it's going to make the situation just just all the all that much worse. So they have they have had some success with some varieties of trees being resistant to this, but the problem is if you've got a 7 or 800 year old olive tree that is one variety, you you, you can't just replace a 700 or 800 year old olive tree I mean, you can plant other varieties, but there's no way to replace a 700-year-old tree. Now, in the same way that the coronavirus pandemic was able to spread through humans, because there are so many humans on this planet, and all it took was one really, really highly adaptable strain of a, of a virus to pass from one person to the next, when you plant any variety of, of anything, any variety of tree 
or any, any animal or any organism that you have a lot of, it's susceptible to another organism coming in and wreaking havoc on it. So whether it's a bacteria infection or a viral infection, when you have a great number of any one species in an area, that's an, that is potential for being wiped out or highly damaged by a pathogen, which is exactly what's happening in this case. So anyway, I'm going to show you guys some videos on Instagram. In, in the Instagram video for this episode, I will show you some, some pictures and videos of the trees here and what they look like and what and what what is happening so like i said there's no cure yet they're doing a lot of research they're working on it they're grafting new varieties onto old trees in, in hopes that they can get some of these new varieties that that's one way to keep a tree alive where the bottom part of the tree would be the old variety but if they can get new branches grafted onto that old tree in a way they could sort of save the trunk of the tree maybe, but then have the top of the tree still be alive. They're working on a cure, but there is no cure yet. So let's hope and pray that they can find a cure and that they can figure out a way to to stop this spread of this horrible bacteria from making its way through all of the trees throughout all of Italy, at least all of the olive trees through Italy. So anyway, uh, I'm going to change the subject because... Um, I'm not, I don't want this to be a, a, an episode filled with depressing statistics and stories of, of dying olive trees, but I, I did want to share enough of how it's affected me just seeing it and what a real problem it is in, in Italy and in Europe right now. So just want to share that with you. Okay, so we arrived in the city and like I said, it was storming. And it's continued to storm for about the first three days. But yesterday, finally, there was kind of a break in the thunderstorms. And I made my way down while Alessandra was taking a nap. I made my way down with my towel and my hat down to the beach. And everybody was kind of, you know, staying off the beach because it was raining. So I made my way down and found a little spot. And the beaches here are not what you would normally think about with a sandy beach. These are more of rocky beaches. And so you can find a spot to get into the water. There's that construction sound next door. Can you hear that? Someone is using a saw to cut through a piece of wood next door. Anyway, so I made my way down to the rocky coastline yesterday after the storm and found a wonderful spot to get into the water. And the rocks in this one area, they had, there was someone that had built some steps into the, the rocks and created a little spot to get into the water. And so you were able to walk in barefoot and the water was so warm. They are definitely hard at work next door. Can you guys hear that? Anyway, so I got into the water yesterday. The sun was just coming back out through the clouds. And, oh, the water was so warm and so clear. And the only thing I forgot to do was to bring my swimming goggles with me. And I wanted to be able to do some snorkeling and, and look under the water because the water's so clear. And there's little black fish that that are kind of that swim with you while you're swimming that are kind of curious about what for at least for me what is this big white 
glowing object in the water. And so it was just, I spent about three hours just bobbing around. I didn't even get out of the water once. I just literally floated in the water for about three hours yesterday. And more people came down and, and got into the water after the, you know, the storm had kind of passed. But I, I was able to spend a good couple of hours almost completely alone down in the water. And it was um, the first time I've ever been in the southern Adriatic. And it was glorious. It just, just absolutely heavenly. And so I just floated in the water, looking up at the city on the hill. And right across from where we are is Greece. And so I was looking out over the Adriatic across. I couldn't see Greece because it's too far away, but there was basically nothing in between me and the Greek islands. It was a surreal moment after all those days of traveling to finally be in a spot where we could really kind of be settled and sort of feel at home and stay in one spot for, for at least a week just felt so good. It seems that the city here that we're in is not so much a tourist city as it is a city where locals and Italians just have a second home or a beach house. So it's there there are no non-Italian tourists here. There definitely are people that have come here either to their own house or to a rented house and and everybody that we've seen and encountered so far has been Italian. We've seen no foreign tourists, which I really love. I love to go into an area that's not super touristy, and it seems to be the tourists that are there are more like local tourists. And so we've just really enjoyed going to some wonderful restaurants here. The seafood is delicious. We've got fresh food that we're making here at home in our kitchen, and we're just really, really enjoying it. I've even done some painting. I brought my painting supplies and my easels and some canvases with me. And so I've been painting the coastline and it's just been really, really spectacular. (laughs) There's been thunderstorms off and on each day, but today is supposed to be the last of the storms and the rest of the week is supposed to be super sunny. And so we're just, we're just really enjoying and soaking up and kind of trying to ignore the fact that there's dead olive trees kind of on the hills around us. And when we go into to the grocery store, you know, we have to drive past these, some of these olive trees and olive groves that are dying. But we're not focusing on that. But I have to say that knowing and seeing firsthand these olive groves that have been decimated, we are definitely reconsidering what we're going to purchase down here because one of the things that we were very interested in was was buying a piece of property with some of these ancient olive trees on it and so we're considering if we really want to invest in some into a place with olive trees on it that in a year or two might be dead permanently dead i don't know I don't know, but that's why we're here and that's why we're exploring and that's why we're trying to to figure out what our next move is going to be, what our next step is going to be. So that is what we're doing here. So this little village of Castro that we are in kind of reminds me of where we spent a summer about three years ago with Alessandro and my sister. The three of us spent the summer in Campania, just south of the Amalfi Coast, and we found a 
really wonderful little village that is not on anybody's radar. No tourist guidebooks would ever suggest that you go there. I think we spent about three weeks in that village. And I'm quite sure that we were the only non-Italians in that village. My sister, who is a school teacher, she teaches math in California, and she really loves to, you know, get away for the summer and really decompress. And so she came and joined us here. And every night we would go eat out at this restaurant and all the locals in the town would kind of gather around after dinner in the town square and and just walk up and down the streets. The, the couples and the families would walk up and down the street and it was just it was just very very special you know people playing games and people kids you know riding their bikes and kicking balls around and and just people visiting the italian people really have a a tradition especially in the summer months of sort of meeting in in the town square and just being social together something i just really love and if you find a favorite restaurant, you can just go to that restaurant over and over again every evening in the square. And that place, we would go and have dinner every night. And the three of us would order wine and many, many plates and, and, and you know, three course or four course dinners. And I think we would spend like maybe $30 every night for the three of us on dinner, including wine and everything. And it was just incredible. And one night, actually, we decided there's a little restaurant that was kind of tucked away in this building just off of the square. And there was just the tiniest little sign. It was it was clearly a locals only kind of place. And so we decided we want to go there tonight. We've been going to this other restaurant, you know, that's got this outdoor patio and and we've been eating there every night. Let's go to this other place. It looks like the kind of place that, you know, there's a mother and a, a grandmother and a mother and a family cooking in the kitchen in the back. And there's only like maybe like four or five tables in this place. Let's go in there and let's eat there. So in we walk and it's about 10 o'clock at night, which Italians, you know, eat very late, but we were cutting it a little close. And it's clear that we are not locals. <laughs> There's groups of families sitting at the tables and we walk in. There's no music in the restaurant. There's just the sounds of, you know, dishes and, and people talking. And when we walked in, the whole place just kind of went silent. And it was like a cricket, cricket moment. And so the owner, you know, walks over to us, kind of looking at us like, okay, what, what are these, what are, what do these people want? And, and we're like, you know, are you, are you still serving dinner? He's like, let me see. We, we were going to be closing. Let me go back and see if we still have enough food. So he goes back to the, to the kitchen and he's gone for a few minutes. In the meantime, all the tables of people, all the families of people are just staring at us. Nobody's eating. Nobody's talking. <laughs> They're just staring at us. And so any anything that we're saying to each other 
in, in, in English, you know, is just like amplified because we're the only ones talking. And so we feel like we are majorly on display. So finally, the man comes out from the back and says, yes, absolutely. Here, sit here and I'll bring you some water and some wine. And, you know, and, and you can just, you know, order. They basically had kind of a preset menu, which sounded wonderful. So whatever they had that they were cooking that night was what we were going to eat. And so we sit down. We're still being watched by everyone in the restaurant. No one's talking. No one's saying anything. You know, the kids are the only ones making any noise at the tables, but the parents and the adults are all just sort of staring at us. And it just felt super awkward. And then as we're sitting there and they're bringing us, you know, our water and the wine, preparing to bring us our food, um, we just asked, oh, just just, to, just wanted to make sure, do you accept credit cards here? Because um, we didn't have any cash on us that night. And he said, oh, no, I'm sorry, we only accept cash. And so here we were, there was no ATM in that, in that village that we were, so we had no way to go get cash. We had no cash on us, and we had no cash back at our place. We had literally just spent all of our cash, and we were, you know, preparing to leave the next day. This was the last night we were going to be in that village, and the last opportunity we had to go to this restaurant. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. So, after them making a special exception for us, seating us, bringing us glasses of wine and water and everything. We hadn't touched anything yet, but we had to literally get up from that table, say, we're so sorry, but we only have our cards with us. We don't have any cash. And we had to leave the restaurant. <laughs> I mean, talk about the most embarrassing situation I think I've ever found myself in or one of them because Lord knows I've shared some very embarrassing situations with you. So we had to leave that restaurant like with our tails between our legs in total embarrassment. I was so, so grateful to be out of that restaurant because as we started leaving, we could hear, you know, plates and dishes clanging again and people starting to talk again. We must have just looked like the weirdest people in the world. Who are these people that walk in to a restaurant just as it's closing, sit down, start ordering their food, and then decide that they don't have enough or any money with them, and so then they leave? I mean, who does that? Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. But anyway, you know, just add it to the list of things that are not funny in the moment, but kind of funny, you know, when we talk about it afterwards, we kind of laugh with my sister about that every time we, we remember that. But anyway, that's just part of going to a village where there's nothing but locals and just, a lot, you know, no tourists. But anyway, so we are going to kind of hunt for some properties in this area where we are right now. We've already kind of looked online and seen if there's anything available. It seems like there's not a lot of stuff for sale right here in this village. Out on the outskirts, kind of in, in the perimeter regions, there seems to be places that are for sale, but a lot of them are old olive groves that have been kind of abandoned and houses that have been kind of just left. And 
So I don't know. I don't know. We're we're gonna just we're kind of just playing this by ear. I, sh- I told you from the beginning that we didn't have a major plan for this trip, other than really just the major goal here was to just explore and see what we were going to discover from from this region. We've never spent time in the south down here, and so we're on an exploratory mission. So we're going to continue to do that. So I will I will share with you. As long as we are here, I will share with you what we learn and what we discover. So that brings us to the end of the episode for this week. And I would like to share that new segment with you called Don't You Love It When? And here's what I wanted to share with you. Don't you love it when you are driving all night and you have no idea where you are? and what it looks like, where you've arrived, but then you wake up the next morning and you're in a new world that you never even imagined what it would look like. So don't you love it when you wake up in a new place that you could never picture what it would look like, but you discover that you're in one of the most beautiful places you've ever been. And that is what we've experienced now three different times on this trip. So I want to share that don't you love it when with you. And that also brings us to our Italian proverb for the week. I know I'm not going to pronounce this 100% correctly, but just bear with me, okay? Quando l'olivo spocca durante aprile, le olive vengono raccolte con barili. Quando si florisce a giugno, vengono raccolte a mantette. That means, if the olives are blooming in April, you will harvest them by the barrel. But if the olives are blooming in June, you will only harvest them by the handful. I thought that was very fitting, considering the fact that we talked so much about olives in this episode. So that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. And the surrounding sounds are the following. The first sound that we have is the sound of a field of sunflowers in the region of La Marche, overlooking the Adriatic Sea. Then we have the sound of the rainstorms and the rain hitting the car while we were driving and the windshield wipers going 100 miles an hour. And then we have the sound of the water as I went down for my very first swim here, the sound of the Adriatic Sea. And there's nothing more peaceful and rejuvenating, in my opinion, than swimming in the ocean and especially the warm, clear waters of the Adriatic in the Mediterranean. And then finally, we have the sound of a man who was playing the accordion in the town square, and he walked right past our table and was playing his accordion, and he actually stopped at our table, and he was smiling from ear to ear. So I have the sound of the man playing his beautiful accordion right next to our table, our first night having dinner out here in this little village that we're in. So enjoy those sounds, and I will be back afterwards to say goodbye.
Masqueda, bon apetit. I hope you enjoyed those sounds from this week's episode here in southern Italy. I want to thank you for coming along on this journey with me. I didn't know how this trip would go, but so far it has been a real adventure, and I'm looking forward to sharing more of this trip as it unfolds. I want to thank you to each of you who have reached out and sent me messages this week. I've heard from people from places like Iran and South Korea and France and Ireland. And I just want to thank you all for joining us and for being here. I'm excited about what we're learning, about what we're seeing, and I'm even more excited to share it with you. So make sure that you come back next week for episode three of season two. And in the meantime, wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice this week, take care, God bless, ciao, ciao, ciao.